Part fifteen of Andersonville Diary by John L. Ransom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part fifteen. Michael Hoare's escape. Letter to John L. Ransom. National Soldiers' Home, Dayton, Ohio, May fifth, eighteen eighty-one. Comrade John L. Ransom, dear friend the night i left the stockade going within twelve feet of a guard i went down to the city had never been there before and did not know where to go but wandered about the streets dressed in an old suit of rebel clothes until twelve o'clock that night it was october eighteenth eighteen sixty four and i had been captured march fifth in colonel dahlgren's raid the object of which was to release the officers confined in libby prison and the privates confined on bell island and pemberton prisons my whole uniform was disposed of and i had to wear dirty rebel rags they marched us to stevensville we remained there but a short time when we were marched about two miles and into the heart of a swamp we did not know what the matter was but found out that kilpatrick had turned back to look for us the forlorn hope as we were called if he had been one hour sooner he would have released us but fate would have it the other way from the swamp we were marched to richmond surrounded by the mounted mob they would not let us step out of ranks even to quench our thirst and we had to drink the muddy water from the middle of the road every little town we came to the rebels would assemble and yell at us the women the worst when we reached the headquarters of rebeldom the whole rebel city was out to meet us and the self-styled rebel ladies were the worst in their vim and foul language they made a rush for us but the guard kept them off until we were safely put in the third story of the pemberton building where we were searched and stripped of everything we were not already robbed of the next morning the richmond people cried out for jeff davis to hang us saying we were nothing but outlaws and robbers on an errand of plunder and rapine the press tried to excite hostility against us and succeeded in a measure we were kept by ourselves and not allowed to mix with the other prisoners a special guard was kept over us and we were allowed but two-thirds the small rations issued to the other men the windows were all out of the room we were in and a cold march wind blowing and cutting through our starving naked bodies in july we were going to get hanged in castle thunder we were told the same story every day and it was getting stale so we paid no attention to it but sure enough we were called out one morning and thought our time had come they marched us up casey street toward castle thunder and as we approached it some fairly shivered at their promised doom but instead of stopping at that celebrated hotel we were taken across the river and put in cattle cars where we were going none knew but we started and the next day reached dansville we were removed from the cars and put into a tobacco warehouse and were kept there until the next morning when we were put aboard the cars and started south again until we came to the world-renowned hell-hole andersonville when we arrived several men were dead in the cars and the rebels would not let us remove them the cars were packed like herring boxes so you may imagine our situation from there i was transferred to savannah 
and from the latter place i made my escape as previously mentioned as i have said i wandered about until twelve o'clock and was then in a worn-out condition not knowing where to turn or lay my head i sat down under a tree to rest myself and as i sat there who should come along but a watchman hello says he what are you doing here at this hour of the night i answered that i was one of the guards guarding the yankees at the stockade and that i had been down to bryan street to see my sister all right said he you fellows have a hard time guarding them damned yankees why don't you shoot more of em get em out of the way i passed on until i came to a place with a high board fence i crawled over and looked around and found a small shed divided by a board partition in one end they kept a cow and in the other some fodder i went in where the fodder was and threw myself down and went to sleep intending to be up before day but what was my surprise when it proved to be broad daylight before i awoke i lay there thinking what to do when i heard the gate of the fence open i jumped up and looked through a crack in the boards and saw an old man enter with a pail in his hand presently he came where i was in the fodder to get some for the cow as he opened the door he started back with fright saying who are you and what brings you here i saw by his face and voice that he was an irishman and i made up my mind to tell him the truth he told me to remain where i was and he would try and get me something to eat he went away and presently returned with a tin pan full of sweet potatoes and bacon he told me the only way to get away was by the isle of hope ten miles from the city on the skidaway shell road there was a picket post of twelve men right on the road but i started off and when i reached the picket put on a bold face and told them i belonged to maxwell's battery stationed at the isle of hope and they let me pass i passed officers and soldiers on the road but they never took any notice of me further than to return my kindly greeting i finally reached the outpost on the road about a mile from freedom i had known even before starting that to pass that post i should have to have a pass signed by the commanding officer at savannah but there were swamps on both sides of the road and i thought i could swim in the marsh and flank the post i took off my jacket and made the attempt but had to return to the road i saw there was no use trying to escape by the isle of hope i could not pass the outpost and besides there was great danger that i should be hung as a spy so i put back to savannah that night i had to wade the marsh to get by the post i first passed i got safely back to my cowshed and laid there till woke up the next morning by my friend gleason when i told him where i had been he would hardly believe me he brought me something to eat and went away but returned at night with two other men their names were wall and skelly and they belonged to the third georgia artillery they said they were northern men but were in savannah when the war broke out and had to join the rebel army i told them the history of my adventure by the isle of hope and they were astonished they said the only way was by the river to fort pulaski fourteen miles from savannah the question was where to get a boat they were known in savannah and their movements would be watched they said they knew where there was a boat but it was a government boat 
i said that made it better and if they would show me where the boat was i would do the headwork so they showed me and left me the management i went when everything was ready and muffled the oars and oarlocks with a sentinel within twenty feet of me the boat lay in the river near the gas-house and a government storehouse and the river was guarded by gunboats and the floating battery and paved with torpedoes but there is what is called the back river which flows into the savannah above smith island the mouth of this stream was guarded by a picket crew sent from the battery every night so when we left we had to lay in a rice sluice where we ran the boat in about an eighth of a mile and raised the grass as the boat passed along to conceal our tracks we heard them searching the next morning after the boat had been missed but the search was at last given up about this time skelly began talking about being recaptured as the shore was picketed all the way he said there would be nothing done with me if i was recaptured but to put me back in the stockade while he and wall would be shot as deserters he proposed returning to savannah at once he began to win the other fellow over and i saw the game was up with me skelly was the only one of us who was armed and he had a colt's revolver i told him that his plan was the best and that i didn't want to be the means of getting him into trouble i gained his confidence but the thought of returning to savannah never entered my head i watched my chance and at a favourable opportunity snatched his pistol i rose to my feet with the pistol at full cock pointed it at his breast and told him that one move towards returning to savannah would end his career by a bullet from his own revolver he turned all colours but said nothing i kept my distance and at four o'clock in the afternoon told them to get into the boat i then sat down in the stern and told them to pull out which they did with a vim just as we passed the mouth we heard the click of oars on the picket boat but they were too late and all the danger we had to encounter was the pickets on the shore which we had to hug on account of torpedoes in the channel i don't know how we ever passed safely over the torpedoes and by the pickets which latter were within forty yards of us all the way along until we reached pulaski all that saved us was that the pickets had fires lighted and were looking at them and our oars and oarlocks being muffled they did not hear or see us it was very dark when we struck the mouth of the savannah and whereabouts fort pulaski lay we knew not but we kept pulling until halted by a soldier of the one forty fourth new york infantry who was guarding the place at that time we were ordered to pull in which we did and were taken up to the commanding officer and questioned he said it was the most daring escape ever made up to that time considering the obstacles we had to encounter we were kept in the guard-house until my statement was confirmed by the war department when i was released and sent to washington where i reported to the adjutant-general who gave me a furlough and sent me to the hospital i remained there until spring when i rejoined my regiment and was mustered out at the close of the war i remain your true friend michael hoare end of part fifteen